0: You're listening to the Cool Collaborations Podcast, a podcast about success in collaboration, where we hear about collaboration successes from around the world, and we'll look into what made those collaborations work. I'm your host, Scott Miller. For this episode of Cool Collaborations, I'm joined by Andre Aslan. Andre is the Executive Director of the Alberta Water Council and the Clean Air Strategic Alliance. And I've had the privilege of working with Andre and the Water Council on many projects over the years. In our discussion today, you'll hear an interesting intermix of government-like policy language and words like relationships and trust and empathy. We cover the gambit from interest-based discussions through to the skills that make good collaborators in our conversation today. Please enjoy. Let's start off by having you introduce yourself and what you do and, I don't know, maybe look at it from the point of view of how you would introduce yourself to somebody who has no idea who you are, like I I don't know, a party perhaps.
1: Sure, Scott. Uh, so my name is Andre Aslan. I'm the executive director of two organizations that bring together multiple stakeholders to collaborate and try to find solutions to air and water management issues in Alberta. And uh, it's explaining to someone what I do at a party is always something I've sort of struggled with. Um Usually folks have sort of a one-line answer that's really easy. Uh and I kind of depends the scenario I'm in. I, I either waver between telling them that, you know, I lead a team that facilitates discussions between multiple stakeholders to address these complex issues. And then sometimes people say, Oh, like that sounds important and interesting. And sometimes if I if I don't really want to get into it, I might say, Well, I'm an ED of two not-for-profits, or I just work in air and water policy. So it it's it, it varies.
0: <laughs> and have you ever gotten any sort of weird, I don't know, follow-up questions like You introduce yourself and people go, well, like you said, that's really interesting. You know, tell me more. Or is it kind of the opposite where people go, that's cool. And I'll be over there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I get both. Absolutely. I get both. A lot of people, I think, don't really understand the role of policy, whether it's big P policy or small P policy and and how it sort of influences their lives, especially when it comes to air and water. So I just kind of laugh it off and say, "Eh, everybody likes clean air and water. So I'm going to be, I'll I'll have work for for a lot of time.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and. If I understand sort of the work of the two organizations you're involved with, I mean, they're very much trying to improve the situation, whether it's water management
1: or air management, that kind of thing. Is that would that be a fair sort of assessment? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, air and water management are incredibly complex topics and uh, you can't really deal with them as a whole. It, it's just too big. Uh, so what we do is we look for opportunities where, uh, you know, there's po- there's potential for improvement, but most of these things influence, you know, several either industrial sectors or municipalities or not-for-profits groups or environmental groups or e- even different, different levels of government. So we try to find areas where we can bring everyone together and identify, you know, wins uh, win-win situations. Uh, and you know, we do that by facilitating a process that provides uh, trust and neutrality uh, and lets people come to the table without necessarily an agenda. And they can actually talk about the problem without worrying about you know the media getting, you know, some, someone running to the media and saying, oh my God, I can't believe what the oil companies are saying or look at these environmentalists. So uh, we try to provide, it's kind of like the safe space for these types of conversations.
0: Like what's a good example of that? Like, do you have kind of a go-to story if somebody was to say, well, tell me a bit about what that might look like?
1: Sure. Yeah. So one that I was involved with that I'm I'm quite fond of uh, has to do with improving Alberta's water conservation efficiency and productivity. And so what I mean by that is the the government of Alberta back in 2003 set an ambitious target to essentially improve the you know our efficiency and productivity by 30% in 10 years. And the idea was that you know we have stressors on our water resources and they're only going to get worse as we continue to improve and as we develop industrially and you know we have population growth coming in. So there was a high level target there and they just sort of said, okay, well, we've got to, we've got to figure this out. So how are we going to get there? Um, and often when governments set targets like that, they either use a stick or a carrot approach. So a stick in terms of, you know, if you don't. Do what we tell you to. We're going to come down with regulations and force you to change your behavior, say industry and municipalities, or you've got a carrot approach, which is more of an incentive. So essentially what they did is they, they, they recognized that the water council's membership accounted for the vast majority of the licensed water in Alberta and thought that, you know, maybe this is the right venue to sort of see what all the major water users could, could do to improve voluntarily. And if we get to the 30%, Great, no stick required, right? And then if we didn't reach that target, then maybe the stick has to come out. So uh, it was a you know it took ten years to do, and there's a uh, four project teams that were involved in developing a framework that uh, the seven major water using sectors could follow to develop sector level plans that each one of those companies sorry that companies within each sector could sort of draw from and figure out what made sense for them. So how what improvements could they make on an individual organization basis to help contribute to improve water management. So a multi-stakeholder group from the water council supported these industries and municipalities as they went through the process of uh you know identifying opportunities, looking at what the trade-offs are and in the end develop these plans uh and then a few years later through implementation we actually pulled another team together to look at what the impact was ultimately and after the fourth team was done, we'd done all the, the comparisons compared to a business as usual scenario. It turns out that voluntarily these seven major water using sectors had improved their water productivity by 33%. Oh, nice. Which is just a fantastic result for a voluntary process. And it's, uh, that, that's kind of one example that stands out for me as something that really shows that if, if you've got people coming to the table, willing to collaborate and pushing in the same direction, you can achieve really fantastic outcomes. So when I think about collaboration, I often think about the
0: the creative element of that, the fact that you really don't have collaborative effort if it's not something new or a novel. So there's some element of novelty to it. Did that that show up through your project teams? Is that like new ways of trying to address the problem? Or was it sort of an application of existing know-how?
1: Absolutely. There's a creative piece to it that I think is, is just foundational to working in multi-stakeholder groups and consensus, because ultimately what you're doing is you're trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, there's, there's a lot of conflict out in, you know, media stories and everything about environmentalists versus oil companies or whatever it is. And really consensus is about putting yourself in their shoes to understand where they're coming from. And in doing that, you might have ideas that the other person hasn't considered or. There's different technologies across various industrial sectors that maybe, you know, the oil and gas sector is really good at, but the the chemical sector doesn't know about. Uh, And so... Ultimately, you're, you're generating ideas, and there's a lot of really smart people that are involved in, in these, uh, these these project teams in this work. So it's, uh, it's incredibly interesting and, and kind of gratifying, actually, to see these, these really smart people working on these big, complex projects and coming together to, to try to find agreement. So, yeah, you end up with some really cool, interesting ideas, a lot of crossover. And if nothing else, it really raised the profile of improving water management across all the sectors. I was aware of some of that work when it was happening
0: but it's it's really gratifying to hear sort of the the success of that such a, such a long standing group uh, did you kind of have the same members or throughout were there was there a variety of members like how did that how did that play out in terms of people having to learn what was going on and and pick up this complex
1: project Mm-hmm. Um well there's there's naturally some turnover in, in a in a project that sort of runs over four phases over ten years. Uh but there was there was, yeah, a good handful of people that were there the whole time. I know I've been with the water council coming on geez, I just passed the I just passed 10 year mark. And a lot of the people that were on the board when I got there are still there. They sort of, you know, been either very involved in water management or it's it's part of their their career path, right? So uh, a lot of the folks that we deal with are sort of directors of environmental management of of large corporations or, um, you know, the the head of the municipality that's doing, that's taking care of the environmental field. So quite a bit of of carryover through the four phases, but I think collaboration is becoming the norm. It's becoming the standard where industries are understanding that and and municipalities and and governments too, is that it's, it's no fun and it's not productive to try to fight things out in the media or the courts, right? If you can, if you can reach agreement on something, uh, why not put a little effort into it? And I think, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that, that trusted neutral process that we provide is, is what lets people you know, come together and do that. And I think as, as people participate in our various project teams, they take that back into their organizations and they say, holy cow, we got you know, a really good result out of this. And so people are understanding that collaboration is the way forward, if nothing else, just so you avoid, you know, or whatever it's arbitration, mediation, courts, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Just as a way to,
0: to address disputes in general, right? It's, it's kind of a, a path to avoid the dispute in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah. U- ultimately, you know, there's, there's going to be decisions have to be made, trade-offs have to be made, and they will happen. And the question is, how do you go about doing it, right? And so you don't necessarily have conflict, but what you see is a gap in regulation or management or something. And so, um, you know, if you can come together and have someone and then have various groups agree to, you know, a a particular direction that would satisfy everyone where, you know, they may not get everything they want, but, you know, what we say is, can you live with the outcome? may not get everything, but if you can live with the outcome, then at least there's a path forward. So you've been
0: involved with obviously quite a number of projects. You've been with the council for a long time, the councils, I should say. How would you describe collaboration? Like, Do you have a definition that you sort of
1: have in your head that that sets the foundation for what you do, or how do you approach it? So for me, I kind of define collaboration as, as, as any act where people deliberately work together to achieve a mutually beneficial outcome that's better than if they went at it alone or chose a confrontational approach. Uh, so, it, you know, it varies. It, it can be anything. So I work in environmental management, environmental media, but um, it, it can apply to pretty much anything. So anything, anywhere, anytime where you're working together with someone and you hope to get something better out of it than if you did it alone, to me, that's collaboration.
0: And how does that, I know uh, much of the work that, that at least the Water Council does is, is focused on achieving consensus. And so how do you see those two concepts fitting together, a collaborative approach versus a consensus-based approach?
1: Hmm. Um, I think it's, it's, it's one of the foundations to achieving consensus, but it's not actually required because we do seek consensus because that makes it a lot easier for, uh, you know, the implementers of, of our recommendations to take it and say, well, everybody agrees with this. Let's go with it. But at the same time, you're going to get some instances where. You can't agree, right? Um sometimes it's often with the industrial piece, there's you know, there's the, the bottom law lo- the bottom line is often still the money, right? There's there's a lot of uh focus on that. And sometimes, you know, to get the environmental outcomes that you want, it's it costs too much, it's not economical, they can't go there. You know, they might look for other solutions, but the the optimal solution, you know, isn't optimal for them. Sorry, one person's optimal solution may not be optimal for, for another's. And so what you end up with is you can have non-consensus. And I actually find that to be Just as useful, if not maybe even more useful sometimes when you're giving advice to, to a regulator or government, because then you can collaborate and still not agree. So, you know, it's sort of like setting the goalposts. You know where you are. You know where the bookends are. So on this particular topic that doesn't have a solution, you know what the options are and who supports it. And, and, you know, if you're going to move forward, you kind of know what you're, what you're going to step into if, if you go down that path, if you're a government, if you're going to set a regulation or change a, change legislation. Right.
0: Do you get a sense that there's a, a well, you've mentioned this before, a growing willingness to collaborate versus the consensus? Like, do you get people wanting to to push away from that
1: consensus a little bit? I don't think people actively push away from it. But uh, I I think when they're taking part of a process that they understand, they can come to the table and speak frankly about it and not feel like they're going to be pilloried later for it. They'd like to go down that path. Sometimes it's not possible. Depending on the player, you might have you might have somebody who's using a little bit of gamesmanship to try to get what they want, uh, and that that's kind of normal, right? We all we all try to get what we want, and ultimately, uh, consensus is about interest-based negotiation, right? So you come to the table, and the idea is that you're going to tell people this is what I need, right? And so that's different than a position. So a position might be like the regulation has to say that. This, uh, you know, my my emissions effluent will be, whatever, five milligrams for something. Whereas really the interest is, well, it costs me too much money to get the emissions any lower than that. So what we try to do is get people to not worry so much about their positions and we'll try to figure out, get drilled down into what their actual interests are and see if you can find a solution that fits everyone's interests. So
0: that sounds to me like it's kind of hard. So then would you say, would you say collaboration is is a
1: hard thing to do? It can be, I would say, yeah. There, there's the potential for, for further conflict even while you're trying to collaborate. And a big thing, uh, one important thing that I've learned is that you need trust amongst the people that are trying, that are at the table, trying to negotiate or discuss or trying to explore each other's interests to, you know, try to figure out what the solution is. Some, some professions are naturally geared towards being positional and, you know, taking down the other person. So think of a lawyer, right? Like a lawyer takes a position and will do everything to try to shred down their opponent just to win. And that's the exact opposite of what consensus is. So some folks are, are, are geared and trained and, and some of them are on our project teams and, you know, they're on our board. And so there, there's, there's a bit of a reckoning required to, to sort of have the light bulb go on and say, okay. So maybe I can get what I need out of this. And so there's, there's a big element of trust and not only that, but I think understanding and active listening and empathy to try to really get into that other person's shoes to understand where they're coming from, to understand why they can't come closer to your side of the table sort of thing. So it's, it's one thing that I didn't really understand when I got into this business. And the more, the more I do it, the more I realize it's all about, it's, it's it's very much about relationships and sort of understanding how to empathize with someone. Often that's, that's, that can be just as important as, you know, how many dollars does it cost to implement environmental improvement? Or, you know, if you're a municipality, you know, what's that going to do to your, to your popularity? So it's, it can be hard. Yeah. But often what you end up with is a, is, is a more creative, long lasting solution. So, you know, it's hard, but so is a lawsuit. You know, yeah, well, when you put
0: it like that, yes. <laughs> the, the conflict card is often, you know, that's always the, the road people, they might default to that just because of training, etc. But so you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned empathy and active listening. Are there any
1: other sort of attributes you would point to for, for a good collaborator? Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been taking some training and hearing a lot more about emotional IQ, uh, you know emotional intelligence rather than uh, as being sort of a foundation it's a very well rounded approach to sort of how you're relating to other people um i I'd recommend anybody go go read up on emotional intelligence it's it's the new it's the new hot thing that all the executives are are pushing and, and managers that are trying to you know get the most out of their teams uh, and so it applies i I think very broadly I'd look into that. I think self-awareness is a big one as well. You know, we all have different personality types and, and you have to deal with all of them. And what something I learned through some in emotional intelligence training is understanding how I'm communicating with people and, and how I'm sort of, you know, interacting with them influences how they're going to react to me. And so if I'm trying to gain agreement from someone, it's important that I understand what my biases are and what I, I'm sort of causing them to react, how I'm causing them to react to me. So that, uh, you know, just great communication skills, understanding, um, patience is a big one too. You never, you never really know what somebody's, how, how somebody listens or interprets things. Some people think that introverts don't you know, really need, people that are introverted or at various scales need a bit of time to, to process things and think about things. Whereas a very large personality that's extroverted might, right on the spot, be able to, you know, spit out an answer and say, "Perfect, it's settled, let's go." And you can't do that. You're to have to. You have to walk at the pace of the team uh, and the pace of the conversation. So, sort of being aware of all that stuff and that you got to go together, right? There's the old proverb: "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together."
0: I don't think there's truer words than that because that's kind of how I've approached collaboration. At least in my thinking, is that bringing a group of people together. Is bringing together what ten or fifteen times the knowledge and the ability to connect to all the people that those people can connect to, and on and on. So it's it's uh, such a powerful force once it gets once it gets rolling. Have you ever sort of come across somebody who I think you mentioned earlier this notion of uh, the light bulb came on somebody who who went from maybe not such a hot collaborator to somebody who was who understood all of a sudden what the potential was. And kind of what, what was the, not, you don't have to mention names, obviously, but what was kind of the transition you saw if you've seen that?
1: Yeah. So when I used the example earlier, it's, it's a real life example. I had uh, I had someone who was a lawyer who was an absolute pit bull, uh, who would just go in and start shredding, uh, you know, start, start shredding apart the information that was put on the, on the table by some of the other groups. And in the end, and there was actually another couple lawyers on that team, so they would just go at each other. Uh, and, you know, in the end, we made almost no progress until we had a bit of an intervention, which is like, okay, this, this isn't working, right? So, uh, and then, that, uh, that one individual ended up taking, uh, consensus decision making training, uh, with us at the same time that we had some staff, uh, taking the, the, the training. And, uh, it really started to apply. Um, the learnings from that training, and sort of doing more of the active listening, and, and you know, being being aware uh, of, of the of the attempt to try to find a positive outcome for everyone, and, and really sort of is a shining example of how you can go from being like a, a sharp tooth pitbull lawyer to a collaborator who, and she's still strong. Right, this person is still advocating for their interests quite strongly and well, and you know, very well articulated in their explanations, but towards the end of it, became the one who's all of a sudden asking the probing questions about someone who's saying, well, tell me more. Well, tell me more. That's often the approach, right? Is if I don't like what you're saying, the answer isn't, I don't like what you're saying. The answer is, well, help me understand why you say that. Right. And this person totally displayed that.
0: Well, and they can dig past. It's it's interesting because in order to ask that question, it speaks to some of the things you mentioned earlier around just a self-awareness of what's happening and, as you say, a change in mindset and i, I kind of like that that example you gave would uh, would you say it's all it all comes down to tr- to a training aspect or is it also is there an experiential piece to that so what i'm trying to get to i think is that you don't really understand the benefit of true collaboration at least this is my view i think until you've actually seen it happen in front of your eyes kind of thing so you can you could take a course and learn about you know, active listening and patience and self-awareness and all of these things. But until you see it, until you come out the back end and go, whoa, I didn't think that was going to happen. How much does that play
1: into the transformation, would you say? I think people benefit from hearing the skills and from people who are experienced in it and sort of initially telling the stories. Because I, I think a lot of the skills that make for a really good collaborator are not necessarily things, are not necessarily skills that we're trained to use early on in life. You know, we're sort of born focused on ourselves and what we're doing and, and you know, what's good for us. And I think that's a very, that's a very natural approach to it, right? Like we want to do what's good for us and our family. And, you know, so once you start hearing about the skills, you start to put it together. You say, oh, that, that might make sense. That might work. And then when you do see it, yes, it absolutely works. Um But I'll go one better. And that my, the one who probably taught me the most about all this is my wife. And just having to go through the experience of, of seeing how she deals with people, because she's a very generous people person, very giving, very sort of active listening. Really wants to get an understanding of what other people are going through, so she can help them. And she's an insurance, so she's helping protect everybody else's stuff, essentially. So when you when you when you were able to observe that, so very much to your point. So I was able to observe how she deals with people and how she essentially collaborates in trying to, you know cover their cover their belongings well, that in and of itself it was such an eye-opening experience, even though it's been going on for almost 20 years. Yeah. So the the skills and seeing it and in, in, in you know in person and seeing the outcome of it uh, are all all contributing to it. I, I don't think you can I don't think you necessarily okay so I'll go back. If you saw someone going through the process of trying to facilitate a collaborative process if you're not aware of the skills they're using like if you can't say "Ah, okay now he's active listening now he's probing ah, now he's reiterating the point back to make sure there's agreement if you don't if you're not aware of those skills you don't actually really see it you don't really get how to get from point a to point b true but would you say that the the
0: skills to facilitate say a collaborative outcome and the skills to just be collaborative are they are they the synonymous are they the same or is there a a differentiation there. So when you talk about reiterating points back, and it strikes me, and and you can correct me if I'm maybe off base, is that that seems more like the facilitator hat as opposed to say somebody in the room trying to come to us to a
1: solution. Would that be fair? I, I would say the teams that showed the strongest elements of collaboration, everybody was doing the skills that facilitators would do.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: Right. Like a, a like. So I, I should explain a little bit more. So for Water Council and CAS project teams, we have co-chairs who are members of the sectors that are participating. So you might have someone from you know the government or uh, you know like irrigation districts or something. And what their job is is to to help facilitate the discussion, but also present their interests and represent their interests at the table. But that doesn't preclude anybody else from. Helping move the conversation forward. So just because you're, a, you're a co-chair and you're chairing the meeting and you're trying to encourage people to, you know, talk and bring their interests out. Some, a lot, a lot of folks who are not in a per se facilitator's role do the exact same things. And, and that's often how they build a relationship. And then all of a sudden now they're finding that they're agreeing with each other because, uh, one person might feel that, oh, someone's reaching out and they're trying to understand my point of view. And then that sort of opens the door for reciprocation. Uh, so the skills, I think, are they are synonymous. I, I think there there might be more there might be more planning and sort of forethought in the facilitator's role to try to generate the the questions that are going to lead to the discussion you need to have. Other than that, I, I think everybody who sits around the table has to be willing to be generous with their time and empathy and and, and active listening. You
0: know, I kind of like where we're going with this discussion because it's talking about the skills that a facilitator, a good facilitator brings to the table. But the fact that there's an element of that in everybody in the group, which then the entire group, it's almost uh, as if you've distributed the facilitation skill, the role, I guess, to the entire group. And then that allows different people to pick up the torch and move it forward and carry that group strength, right? So it's you have a stronger group facilitation if the entire group is facilitating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always happen, <laughs> but when it does, it's uh, it's, it's uh, really positive for, for the whole group. True. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I've been, <laughs> I unfortunately have been in the room when it doesn't, doesn't go that way at all. It goes, kind of the opposite way
1: yeah yeah and this is a collaboration sort of a bright happy sunshine sticker and we say this is great and fantastic but i think you and i have both been in rooms where it is not collaborative at all and it actually gets quite heated and you know sometimes you got to take a break and just everybody take a breath uh because uh, you know sometimes the 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 topics you're dealing with are complex and there are, you know, serious outcomes. So there's, there's a lot on the table sometimes. Uh, So it's, you know, we talk about collaboration, like it's this fantastic thing and it really is But when you're dealing with complex issues and and serious interests on the table uh, with serious repercussions, it, it can get heated. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, you know, I, I actually think that's, that's part of the collaborative process in a way that if it's so easy to get from problem to solution, then it's, there isn't a whole lot of creativity, but if you have to work as a group, you don't automatically get it, but you do get stronger collaboration, I think, if you've had to go through one of those or a couple of those episodes of, you know, smashing your head on the table and, and throwing your hands up in the air kind of thing. So
1: at least that's my sense of things. So, Sure, sure. Yeah, and, and it's when you've got an impasse where you just can't quite get over it, sometimes you have to run down a potential solutions path for a while and you realize it's a dead end. And that's OK. You just got to sort of pick up, go back to the point where you where you started that path and then choose a different path and, and see if you can, you know, work through the minutia of, of getting from positions to interests that satisfy everyone. So building consensus takes a long time uh, at the end of the day or sorry, it can take a long time. It certainly takes longer than just going to an arbitration or, or some sort of mediation where you put everything on the table and someone just decides but the benefit is, yeah, you get you get buy-in from the people around the table because they've helped craft the solution. And then it's, it's typically longer lasting because, you know, you can always sort of go back to that as, as the people who are around the table is, you know, yeah, we had that issue. And this sort of goes back to the point that you raised with other people coming in through the process, right? So you can have someone new come in and, you know, they might say, well, why don't we do it that way? And the rest of the team can sort of look at them and say, we fought over this for four months. We're not going there. This is the way we're going.
0: Yes, Uh the, the challenge of bringing in new perspectives is kind of a double-edged sword. It can be somebody might come in and get you through the impasse, or they might drag you backwards. Yeah, yeah. It can go, can go either way, but you got to rely on the group, right, to, to pull you through. So do you think there's something everybody should know about collaboration? Like if you had one, one thing you were going to, you could wave your wand, assuming, you know, they weren't taken away with budget cuts. Uh, you, could wave your wand,
1: <laughs> you could wave your wand and somebody would know something about collaboration. What would that be? I I think the big thing is be ready to change. Right. You might have your initial impressions coming into this and that's that's all shaped by your experiences and your biases and, you know, the people you surround yourself with. So if you, you know, if you work for a municipality and you're surrounded by municipal people, you're going to be influenced with the the municipal lens and ultimately working with into collaboration in, in that sort of field or that arena, you're working with people from vastly different fields, vastly different experiences, vastly different expertises and vastly different personality types. So be flexible we encourage people to buy in to the process, right? Like, like buy into it. Don't, don't just sort of say, yeah, okay, I I understand. I'm going to have to listen to people. Um, but really, truly try to get into understanding what other people are saying, where they're coming from and, and why.
0: Right. That all relies on the process itself, like the structure and how, how it's orchestrated that kind of thing. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. To an extent. Um, It's, it's a big piece of it because the, the way we, the way we try to facilitate these discussions in this process is to give everybody the opportunity early on to sort of identify what their interests are and what's really important to them. So, um, and, and it's important to keep going back to those uh, at the end of the day because you will end up going down some rabbit holes and sometimes you got to pluck yourself back out and say, okay, so what, what is it we were trying to get to? And just sort of, you know, understand, keep, keeping the goal in, 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 in your sight, I guess, because it is really easy to, to jump down rabbit holes and, you know, then, then sometimes you end up really deeply opposing perspectives on things that aren't actually your task at hand. Right.
0: Yeah. You can, as you mentioned get down a, down a hole where you you end up opposing something, but you can also try solving a problem that's not actually the problem you're trying to solve
1: <laughs> yeah, scope creep is a big one when it comes down to this because people have such varying interests right so they can they can sort of take a bit of a tangential turn and everybody else is lost all of a sudden, and all of a sudden we're we're trying to understand a, a problem that we didn't really think we were trying to deal with right
0: yeah i've I've run into that uh, a few times. Have you in your your career path to get here, have you had somebody who's been very influential for you in this space? Like, is is there a, a figure that stands out in your mind that's been most influential? I'm
1: not sure I have one individual, uh, but certainly a lot of, uh, I've worked with a lot of really good facilitators, very well experienced, very well, you know, very well trained, but they all have the same characteristics, which is a willingness to listen, uh, and they have the skills to draw out other people's interests to share them with the, to, with the group, right? So maybe it's just being able to ask the perfect question at the right time. So a number of facilities. I've worked with a lot of really great people in this, actually. So it's kind of tough to single out a, a single person, but uh, a lot of the people I've worked with, uh, whether they be the staff with the water council or, or contractors I've worked with, or even you know team members or participants. So there's uh, there's been quite a quite quite a broad selection of people that I could choose from, but they uh, they all sort of share the same characteristics, which is being generous in their listening and, and authentic and you know empathetic, while still sort of keeping their eye on the prize. Awesome. So I always like to sort of wrap up our discussions with just a
0: couple of, of rapid fire, off the cuff kind of questions. And so, um, before I do that, I just wanted to ask if there was anything else you wanted to speak to that maybe you hadn't had a chance
1: to in the, the discussion around collaboration. I think I got most of it out, other than to say that I think it's uh, it's it is the wave of the future. Absolutely, collaboration is key. It's it, it's it saves resources, it saves time, it saves aggravation, it builds relationships. You know, you and I have probably sat in the same room. I don't know how many times with you know the same sort of forty people that that work in environmental management, and you know those those relationships over time just get stronger and it's you know eventually you'll grow to have that sort of respect for for other people and they'll have it for you and that's sort of the the foundation for trust and and strong discussions uh, in any topic that you're dealing with
0: yeah i i found it it often spills over into you know other things the connections you make in one place in a collaborative setting like the water council and i've been involved with a couple of water council projects over the over the years they they spill over and you can you can start to rely on those people in in different ways outside of that space and that's
1: that's the part that I I find really rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know you're 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 developing relationships and uh, yeah you're just you're you're probably going to see these people again and it uh, it only gets stronger. Yeah. So I have like I
0: say a couple of rapid fire questions just to to, to wrap it up. Are you ready? Sure. Let's go. All right. So, uh, do you have a book that you would suggest that everybody should read? It doesn't have to be, about cl- uh, necessarily about collaboration, but, you know, one that you
1: would maybe gift to people on a regular basis? Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a good few of them there. I, uh, always been a fan of The Little Prince. Um, since I was a kid, it was sort of those, those, those fables types of books that sort of has a, a moral at it that I it always sort of resonated with me if you're into fantasy my my favorite book in that genre is name of the wind fantastic book patrick rothfuss but be warned he's only written the first two of the third book and the third book hasn't come out in 10 years so be warned and then other than that i'm i'm reading a book right now called indian fall and it's a story it's it's a series of uh, of stories about probably 10 or 12 of the chiefs from treaties six, seven and eight right before or right around the time that the treaties were being signed. It gives a really good, a really good insight into um, sort of the first Nations situation in Alberta in the sort of mid to late 1800s, which I'm finding absolutely fascinating. Um, Sort of, you know, trying, trying to become more aware and informed about uh, the first nations and indigenous peoples history, essentially in Alberta is something that I've been, I've been trying to focus on. And it's, that's a really good book. Awesome.
0: Uh, I'm going to make sure I, I can include links to those various books. I've actually uh, read Name of the Wind and I agree. Fantastic book. And I'm I'm like you, I'm waiting for the third one. Uh,
1: I'm not holding my breath, but who knows? No, no. And he keeps working on other little side projects, which is driving me mental. So, <laughs> so. What uh, what would you say you're not very good at? I'll be honest and say collaboration didn't really come naturally to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 a pretty task focused personality, and I can be a loud voice in the room. And when I think I know I'm right, um, you know I sort of can be the one that pushes for that and goes for it. Uh, so it actually took quite a bit of, of effort and you know self reflection sort of figure out um how to get better at collaboration but it, it's clear that that's the way right sort of the yeah I'll, I'll i'll go for that one and i'm a bit of a control freak so uh, <laughs> you have to give that up if you're going to collaborate
0: that's true yeah and um you know i i appreciate our discussion today it's you know it's c- nice wide ranging but we got to talk a lot about the sort of the skills and sort of the mindset i think that comes into a collaborative effort and i really appreciate your uh your perspective on that so Thanks. Thanks so much for being part of the call and being on the podcast. And thanks again.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Scott. Really appreciate the opportunity. I, I think you're, you, you've got a really good, uh, really good niche here uh, looking into the collaboration uh, conversation. So thanks for having me.
0: What a great discussion with Andre. He offered some great insights into the world of multi-stakeholder collaboration. And I jotted down quite a few things from our conversation. One thing that resonated with me was the idea that the kind of facilitation skills that make good collaboration are often, in the best situations, practiced by everyone in the group, whether intentionally or not. Andre mentioned the importance of listening a few times and the ability to draw out and explore perspectives different from your own. I also like his distinction between collaboration and consensus, where you can collaborate and in the end, not agree. In fact, collaboration can be a success regardless or whether there is agreement on the solution. Thanks, Andre. You've been listening to Cool Collaborations. Please make sure you visit collaboration dynamics.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, in Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list so interesting things like blog posts, upcoming training, or collaboration tips and tricks can come to your inbox. If you like what you heard, I'd be grateful for a rating in Apple Podcasts. Of course, if you'd like to just tell a friend about the show, that would be great too. Check out the show notes for links and contact information. Until the next episode, thanks and happy collaborating.